then the devil's going to come back in and try to fill that space. So God wants to fill those parts that he cleans out. So we've got to make sure that we clean it out, yes, but let God fill it up and let God mold us into what he wants us to do. Uh, John 3.16 is just the starting point of our journey. God loved the world. He gave it, and if we believe in him, we don't have to worry about it because he's got a place for us. But that's just the starting point. If that's the only scripture we have, man, we're losing it. We're, we've lost out on so much because this is a big book. There's more. There's a lot more in this book for us. And we need to know what's in here so we know what's available to us. I want to look at the tour guide. I like to look at the pamphlet, see where I'm going, what's going to happen. And I love talk, looking, looking about the scriptures about heaven. And I like about all those things that God's prepared for us. But I also like to look at the things that he prepared for us in this life. Because there's a lot of things that God's prepared for us in this life that we're not taking advantage of. And I want to take advantage of them. But if I haven't looked at the brochure, I'm not going to know. If I go on a trip and I pay X amount of dollars for it and I don't have the brochure, brochure and, they, and I'm supposed to go on a tour somewhere, if I'm supposed to go to the, the museum of some kind and, it isn't, and I don't read the brochure, I won't know it. So they could cheat me out of that trip and I would never know it. But I paid for it already. Well, God's paid for everything that's in this book. And he doesn't want to cheat us out of anything. We've got to know what the brochure says and we've got to start saying, hey, Wait a minute, where's that, where's that tour that you promised me? You promised me a museum. Where is it? Where is it? I want it. I want everything. Well, we've got to read the brochure to know what God's promised us in here. And then we start saying, God, hey, hey, wait a minute. I read this this morning. Oh, it says you're going to meet my needs. Oh, according to your riches and glory. All right, Lord, I have a need. We don't know what's in there. We can't claim it. And then the devil can walk all over us when we have a need in our life. He can just stomp all over us because we don't know that God's going to supply those needs. So we can't hold God accountable. And God likes to be held accountable for what he says. God likes it because that means we have faith and a confidence in him when we're not trying to do it on our own. So the path to God's anointing starts with cleansing our temple. The second step is God's anointing is prayer. Matthew 21, 13 says, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. I can't overemphasize prayer. No matter what I could say, whatever, it wouldn't be enough. Because prayer is so important to us as Christians. Because it's the way that we communicate with God. And it's the way that God can make us not so feel so foreign about some of the things that's going on in, his in our lives. When I'm driving a car, when I first started learning how to drive a car, I didn't understand a lot about driving. But the more I did it, the more I became comfortable driving. I just, not second nature to you after, after you know, 50, 40 years, whatever it is. <laughs> it, it becomes easy, and that's what God wants, to do, wants us to do with us. He wants the things of, his, of living for him to become easy for us and not a struggle. So he wants us to be able to talk to him about it. And our designed temples in the Old Testament, what were they designed for? A place of prayer, a place of sacrifice. So these temples are designed to sacrifice. We're supposed to give up our own life. That's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice to praise God when you don't feel like it, isn't it? I don't, it's, it's hard. It's hard when you don't feel good to praise God. But that's the sacrifice. And it's a place of prayer. So temples were designed for prayer and a place of sacrifice. And that's what these temples God designed it for, to communicate with him. And when we're not talking to God, we're... we're, we're Losing out on so much because we need God's anointing. The only way we get answers to our problems is through prayer. No matter how much we want an answer, we can sit there and we can talk among ourselves about a situation, but God is the only one that has the answer. He has the right answer at the right time in our life. 
He has the wisdom to know what is the answer today. There might be, it isn't like multiple choice sometimes. Which one do you want me to take, God? What do you want me to do? If we don't pray, we're not going to know. We're going to make the wrong choice. And then what happens when we make the wrong choice? God's got to get us back to the right choice somehow, and it's painful. When we were raising our kids, they didn't make the right choice. We told them to clean the room, and they didn't do it, didn't do their chores. Or they'd be grounded but if they weren't done by 1 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. They got grounded. They tested that rule just one time. And they had to sit Saturday night. And for teenagers in high school, oh, man, you could have beat them. Oh, just beat me, Mom. I'd rather be spanked. Oh, just beat me. Nope. Guarantee next week they were done. So we need to learn that prayer is important. God wants to give us the right answers at the right time in our life. And if we aren't accepting God's power or prayer, then we're uh, going to make wrong choices. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. God's Spirit is the way that we know we're His children. If we don't ever talk to God, how are we going to know we belong to Him? As a child, I talk to my parents, and they talk to me sometimes a lot more than I talk to them. <laughs> I know, you think I was just a little angel when I was a kid growing up. I know. Uh-uh. I was smart. I didn't get near as punched as uh, punched. Didn't get punished as much as I could have because I was uh, I was a little smarter than my kids were. I got away with a lot more <laughs> than they did. But it is, with God, you can't get away with anything because He sees everything we do. <laughs> can't hide nothing from God. Roman, uh, excuse me. John four four twenty four says, uh, "God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth." Prayer is the way that we talk to communicate with God, and it's our spirit that has to talk to God. When I'm praying, I like to use worship, and that's why we do worship at the beginning of the services, so we can kind of get out of the, the worldly mode and kind of get start focusing on God. And when we get to that mode and we start worshiping praising God, there's something that happens inside our hearts, inside our spirit, that talks and communicates to God. And then we kind of get lost in worshiping, praising God. And our spirit is just communicating with God. We may not be able to understand everything that's going on, but this is what God says that happens. Because if we want to worship God, we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. And the only way we can do that is by allowing our inner man to be able to communicate with God. And we communicate with God through prayer because that's the way he's designed it. I don't know why he wants to talk to me. What I say isn't near as important what God says. But he listens to everything I say. And everything that's going on in our life is important to God. Sometimes they think, oh, nothing's important unless it's a, my dog goes a little sick. That's not a big deal. It's a big deal, though, if my uh, kid's in the hospital because he had an accident and they don't know whether he's going to live or die. Those are the kind of situations we bring to God. But we forget that God's interested if our puppy's sick. He's interested if we stub our toe. God cares about everything that's going on in our life because he loves us. And he wants us to be able to share everything that's going on in your life. Everything. When you get married, you share your life with another person. Every area of your life, you're sharing with that person. And we, we don't think about when we get married, okay, we got married, we just get under the same roof, there's your room, there's my room. And we talk about rules, who, who, who does the, all these kind of things. We don't do that. We become one and one body. We live together for one purpose and one goal. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to talk to us, and he wants, to talk, he wants us to talk to him. He wants us to tell him our dreams and our hopes and all the things that, that are going on in our life and what we feel because God knows how we feel. I've told God that I'm mad and I'm angry because he already knows it. Why do I want to try and hide it from God? Because I can't. So sometimes I'll say, God, I'm mad because I don't know why you didn't come through over here. I needed you over here, and you weren't there. Where were you? Do you ever pray like that? 
I try not to, but it's in my heart. I might as well get it out. And then I say, God, forgive me for my bad attitude. Let me get it out here. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. As Christians, we got to talk about everything that's going on in our life. And if we're upset about something, tell God we're upset because he knows we are. And say, God, change my heart. Help me not to be upset about this. Help me not to be upset I didn't get that job. Or help me not to be upset that I didn't get that raise. We need to talk to God about those things. Usually God has a reason that we can't see right now. We may want something with all our heart, a brand new house, all so gorgeous and everything fell in place, and then we bought it, we didn't buy it, and someone else got it, and we got angry with God because we didn't get it. Later we found out, well, house had a crack in the foundation, and we had to eat that repair. <laughs> so God sometimes knows things that we can't see. So if God tells us no, it means that maybe not now, or maybe it's not that particular thing he wants for you. He has something better in plan for us. When we don't get our way or we don't get things going the way that we have them all laid out, then let God work it out the way he wants. They say that if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. God really laughs over that because we try to tell God our plans, and that's kind of what our prayer sessions are sometimes, is I'm telling God my plans, and this is what I want him to do. But God doesn't, isn't there for our whims. God is God, and we're the, we're the ones that's the servant. We're the ones that, that need to listen to his voice. But sometimes we get carried away, and we forget who's God. And we need to be aware that God is God. And we need to pray and be able to ask him, Lord, help me, Lord, to humble myself and help me to realize who you are. Because if we ever get a glimpse of who God is, that subject will be over. Because we'll realize, like Isaiah did, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And oh, woe is me. And that's what we would say if we ever got a glimpse of God's holiness and righteousness. It'd be woe is me. Because none of us are worthy of what, of the, what God has given us or the opportunity to pray to him. Man, I'm glad I wasn't born in the Old Testament times. I'd hate to have to go to a priest and tell him my sins, wouldn't you? And have to kill an animal? I'll tell you, I couldn't afford all the animals I'd have to kill. Because back then, they didn't have the Spirit of God that helped them when they, after from one point to the other point, to help them to keep from doing it again. We have the Spirit of God and the anointing of God when our temples are clean and we come to Him to help us from having to kill so many lambs. And the more, the, the closer we walk to God, the less sins we commit, the less confessions we have to do. Sometimes I'll get there and go, God, don't I have something I have to confess today? I know it doesn't happen very often, but <laughs> usually it has to do with our attitude or something that maybe we should have done and God was trying to get us to do and we didn't do it. But God wants to live within us, and when he lives within us, then he keeps us from doing a lot of things we have to confess. So I like that relationship. I like to sit down and I tell people when you talk to God, just like pretend like he's just sitting there having coffee with you. And if you can't have that kind of imagination, then set a cup of coffee there for him if that's what it takes. Because that's the kind of relationship God wants to have with us. He wants us to be able to talk back and forth to him and to be able to have commune with him. And when we have this kind of a relationship with him and we talk to him, then he can anoint us. Then the anointing comes and it flows through us when our temple's clean. The third step to God's anointing is power. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. The reason that people are leaving churches today is because there's no power. The power's gone. Now, I wouldn't want to live in a house that doesn't have power. 
How would I use my microwave? How would I watch football or basketball or hockey? Yay, penguins. <laughs> I couldn't watch it, and my HDTV would be totally useless without power. And I wouldn't move into the place if I couldn't get power. Well, I don't want to come to a church that doesn't have any power either, do you? I don't want to, because if I don't have, we don't have power, the power of God in our lives, how could I pray for the sick? How could I even preach? How could I do anything without God's power? And power is important. It was important to the church. It was his power that fell on Pentecost that infused the church with power. So before Pentecost, they had no power. After Pentecost, they had all kinds of power and that, that they needed. And then they had the abilities to do the things that God said he could do. But if we don't have the power, the church is useless without power. We can come and have religious services and but I wouldn't want to go to church with no power. And I don't want this church to be a church with no power. I want church, this church to have power so when people come into this place that they know, hey, what's different about this church? There's something different here. What is it? It's power. I want this church to have power, the kind of power that God has promised to his church. And I'm tired of mediocrity in the church, aren't you? I don't want to just natch, everybody thinks that mediocrity and just that's just the way it is and we just kind of get accustomed to that and we don't know any better. Well, I want us to know better. I want us to be able to come to church and expect God to show up in a mighty way. But if we're not expecting him and we're not asking him to do that, then he won't. He only comes where he's invited. If we don't want power in our life, he's not going to give it. We have to be willing. We have to have, say, God, I want your power in my life. And the power was so important, he told them, no, don't do anything until you have the power. And that should be a, a lesson to us. Don't do anything until we have the power, whether it's on the job or in the church. Don't do anything until you've asked God for the power and the ability to do it. And God can give you abilities you never knew you had. He did it in the Old Testament. He said, I've given such and such the ability to be able to craft gold into these things and the knowledge of how to make stuff. God did that, and God can do it for you on your job, whatever it might be. Now, in church history, there are four stages or cycles. The first stage is the pioneering stage where everybody starts staking out new territory and they start churches and they start a work in homes and all these other kind of things going on. That's an exciting time. And then, then after the pioneering stage, then they go to the building stage and they start doing a building project. And everybody's so excited and they're, and they're hammering nails and they're just seeing the work of God starting to show up. And it's such a wonderful, and miracles happen all the time because they're building and they're having faith in God and, and knowing that God's going to show up. And they're so excited about it. And then there's the third stage, and that's the maintaining stage. And then the power is replaced with programs. Well, yeah, that was good for back then, but now, see, we've got to have this wonderful program. We've got to have this guy come in that has this program because it works so well in his church, and we've got to bring that program here. Well, where's the power? I don't want programs in this church. I want power. Now, we can use programs, and they work great in a lot of, the, lot of cases, but I don't want to replace God's power with a program. I don't care. I don't want it. I'd rather not have any programs. I want God's power. And then the fourth stage. <coughs> if I get my throat cleared here. Where is the fourth stage at here? Declining stage. That's the declining stage. That's the fourth stage. That's after they've had all the programs. The people got tired of the programs. They thought, you know, I don't like it there anymore. It's just not as fun as it used to be. I remember what it used to look like. Oh, it don't matter if I go to church. So the next thing you know, people aren't showing up for church. Next thing you know, you hardly have any people there. 
That's the declining stage. And that cycle goes on and on and on and on throughout the history of churches. See, the problem is we don't realize it. And we just let it happen. And we wake up one morning and there's nobody here Say, what happened? What happened was we didn't maintain the first two steps. We've always got to have a vision. We've always got to be wanting to build something. We always want to be able to reach it out and stake it out our territory somewhere else. I'm not happy with just this territory right here. I want to reach out into the community around this church. I want to stake out new territory. I want to stake out territory where we live. I want every one of you here today to stake out new territory because God wants to be able to do a wonderful thing. And I don't ever want to be in the declining stage or the maintaining stage. I don't want to. I want God's power. <clears throat> if we stay in the maintaining stage, we end up in a rut. Now, you know what a rut is? Definition of a rut? A rut is a grave with the ends kicked out. That's all you do. You just do the same thing back and forth. If you have your dog on a chain in the backyard, if you notice that he gets in a rut, he can only go so far, and then the chain keeps him there. Can't go any further than that. And pretty soon he's got a little rut dug right in that area. Well, I don't want to be in a rut. I want to have new visions and new ministries in this church. I want it to grow. I want our young people to be able to grow up in this church and stay part of this church. I'm tired of them growing up in this church and then going, and we never see them again. I'm tired of that. And every day when I pray, I say, God, claim, I claim our church kids for you. And I ask for the ones that used to go here. Say, God, let them return back to this church, to their roots, because I'm tired of it. There's no excuse for it. Because if we have power in this church, they're going to stay here. Because kids like power. They like that atmosphere. They like the atmosphere of life, not death. And when you're in a rut, you're in a grave. And I am not going to be there. I don't want to be there. And I pray every day, God, don't let it be like that. Let us be in that building stage. Let us be in that power stage. That's where I want to be. And the fourth step of God's anointing is praise. Psalms 22, 3 says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praise of his people. Now, inhabit means to live in, dwell in, occupy, make your home in, reside in. Praise invites God into our presence. He inhabits the praise of his people. So if we want God's anointing in our life, we have to do all these things. We have, to, we have to clean our temple. We have to pray and talk to God. We have to maintain our spiritual life, not the maintaining of the, of, of the church. <laughs> not, not that maintaining. We have to be able to ask God to give us the power that we need to live for him. And we have to praise him because he inhabits those praise. That's why we sing songs at the beginning of the service, to be able to change our hearts so we can praise God. Because when we praise God, we start by praising him for our lips. And when we praise him and we just open our hearts and we dust off the world from our, our lives and from our hearts, pretty soon the praise is starting to come from our innermost being. And that's when God shows up. And I want God to show up. I want him here in all his power and all his glory and touch every person's life that's here. That's what I want. Now, we have a choice as a church. You have a choice as an individual. There's four stages there. What stage are you in this morning? What stage are you in? You're in one of those four stages. If you're not in the first two, then you're in the, one of the others. Are you on the decline? Are you maintaining and you just want a good program to help you out? If I could just give you a certain pamphlet that you could give to your friends, then they'd get saved. That's what I want. We want a program. We want a magic bullet. 
We want something that's going to solve all of our problems in one easy step, four steps. You do this, they'll do this, you do this, you do this. Hey, it's easy. Well, it's not always easy. But if we have God's power in our life, if we have God's anointing in our life, he can make it easy. It's easy to do what God wants you to do when we're doing it in his strength. I don't have a problem doing stuff in God's strength. It's when I do it in my strength that I have a problem. When I say, God, how can I figure this out? God will say, you can't, but I can. So i got to quit trying to figure things out and let God figure them out. So what stage are you in this morning? Four stages. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for each one that's here, and I ask you, Lord, for each one of us to take a moment in our lives and examine our hearts and examine where we're at of these four stages, Lord. What stage are we in this morning? I pray, Lord, that you'd just speak to each one of our hearts this morning. Now, if you're here this morning, maybe you haven't even got your ticket yet. Maybe you don't have a ticket to even get on the plane. You need to get a ticket for anything's going to make your life better. Are you here this morning and you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, but you want to this morning? Let me see your hand if that's you this morning. Maybe you're here this morning in these four stages and you kind of found out where you're at and you're not happy with the stage you're in this morning. But you want to be able to change that stage with God's help. And you want to be in the, the pioneering stage to stake out new territory and to start building something for God and start making a difference in this community. If that's you, let me see your hand. It doesn't matter where you're at. My hand's raised because I'm tired of it. I don't want to be in the stage two and three. I want to be in one and two. You want to, are you there this morning? Do you want to be there? I want to be there. Okay. <clears throat> Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for each one that's here this morning. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, for your salvation. I thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. And I thank you for everything that you've done for us. And I thank you, Lord, that it's your will, Lord, that you want to anoint each and every one of us this morning. That it's not your will for us to walk and and live for you in our own power and our own strength. And I'm thankful, Lord, that your anointing is available to everyone here this morning. To do their job on the job, Lord, or in the church or wherever it is, Lord, you have an anointing, a special anointing for them. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd convict our hearts, Lord, and help us, Lord, to seek after you and keep our temples clean and keep it a place that's fit for your dwelling, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you'd make us sensitive to your spirit, that, that no matter what we do, Lord, that you'll say, hey, confess that. Get it under the blood. Help us, Lord, not to carry sin in our lives, Lord, but to be willing, Lord, to acknowledge it every day. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd search our hearts and help us, Lord, to keep our, ta- our temples clean. And help us, Lord, to spend the time we need talking to you. And help us, Lord, to build a relationship with you, Lord, so every day we get closer to you. And so we won't be in that that cycle of our life, Lord, where we we are in a pioneering and building stage, and then we want to maintain, and then we start declining, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you put a desire in our heart, Lord, to be in that building and that building and 